This episode is proudly sponsored by Chronologic. By the time you contact a buyer with calls and emails, someone using Chronologic has already held the meeting. Learn more about how to harness the power of AI scheduling at scale. Visit chronologic.com at the link in the show notes. We actually do a series called Moops TV, which stands for Marketing Ops Oops. My Moops was, I had actually sent out an email with what I thought was the corrected link that ended up being the wrong link again. (laughs) (laughs) And so I literally yelled a very loud expletive word. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm Scott Logan, and we're making fun of marketing. Thanks, everyone, for joining this episode of Making Fun of Marketing. You've got a hard job, so we want this to be a light spot in your week. And uh, also, you know, hear some funny stories, get some new best practices, all that good stuff. Uh, We have uh, lots of episodes and guests coming out and that have already come out on chronologic.com forward slash podcast. If you had fun with us today, give us a five star review and uh, as my six-year-old starts all of his videos with... Like and subscribe if you think I'm confining first try. Comment down below. I don't even know if he knows what that means, but he says it when he uses my <laughs> camera uh, on my phone. So we'll start today with Mike Rizzo, the founder of Marketing Ops. Uh, and unlike I expected, actually... Mike, your background isn't just marketing ops, but it has sales, events marketing, strategic account marketing, which is probably an early ABM, uh, community marketing, marketing leadership. So were you just looking for a home in marketing, discovered no one has their shit together, and you just are like, I'm going to make a marketing ops organization just to fix everything? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were that uh, that 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 pointed, that directed, that intentional. <laughs> um, I do have a, yeah, I do have a background in a bunch of different operational functions. Uh, I think it actually speaks to the, the challenge that comes with being in a marketing automation, marketing operations role. So, you know, a decade ago when the stuff was sort of coming to fruition and we didn't even call it marketing ops yet, uh, it was like marketing email, it was email marketing marketing automation terms were sort of thrown around. Uh, and and I think one of the things we talk about a lot at marketingops.com and the MoPros community is um, this idea of in this function, you, you can see a lot about what's going on in the organization foundationally. And uh, for those that choose to pursue it, sometimes that turns into, oh, well, I want to go do director of demand gen, or I want to go do you know, some other strategic VP type of growth oriented function, uh, because you're, you're sort of getting a taste of all of that. Uh, and that's exactly what I ended up going and doing. And, and lo and behold, I just marketing operations is like too core to everything. <laughs> like I ask a lot of questions. I try to poke a lot of holes and I, I always doubt the data that's being put in front of me. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, maybe I should just stick with marketing ops and and fast forward, I have now marketingops.com and a whole 3600 person, you know, team. Really it's a community, but yeah. it's great. Nice. Awesome. Uh yeah, that's uh that was actually my path as well. Sales and then marketing ops for 4 years and then 
from there, I got so frustrated that people weren't building campaigns and aligning the sales properly that I uh, went into demand gen and then just worked through the marketing functions from the demand gen side after the op side, which actually got me that uh, first demand gen gig. Uh, but in that, I, I'm sure you've heard a few horror stories. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of them. So uh, we actually do a series called Moops TV, which stands for Marketing Ops Oops. I um, I don't do this often, but I, I apparently I incidentally coined that uh, on on LinkedIn. Um, I think many others had said that before, especially yeah. from Seinfeld. Um, but somehow that ended up becoming the thing. And so now we have this series called Moops TV, where we talk to a lot of folks about the, um, things that they've done wrong and that they survived to sort of tell the story about my Moops was the one that stands out the most to me was, um, sending off an email for a webinar and the registration link was incorrect. And I put on my marketing ops hat, I quickly tried to solve the problem by writing a redirect for the old link to the new page in our CS, uh, CMS portal, right? So now if anybody goes to hit the old link, uh, they'll at least be able to get there. But the reason I had to get to that step was because I had actually sent out an email with what I thought was the corrected link. <laughs> That ended up being the wrong link again. <laughs> and so I literally yelled a very loud expletive word. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I figured out I could do a redirect and then fix it later, like fix it on the back end because yeah. I accidentally sent the wrong link twice. So that was my big moops is I sent the wrong link once. And then I said, sorry, here's the right link. And it was the wrong link again. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, yes. like, I swear it was the platform's fault. It wasn't me. It didn't save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. The the platform's fault. No user error here. One thing that is changing right now in marketing ops and all ops in general is this uh, increase in significance in the business and uh, where they're transitioning and combining re uh, sales and marketing ops into rev ops. Maybe there's a CRO that manages it. Maybe they're living in one side or the other. Uh, but it's, you know, meant to align the teams better and do some other things. But I'll, I'll let you kind of give me your take on the transition to RevOps. Yeah, look, I don't think anybody has figured out exactly the, the path into RevOps definitively at this point. And, and, and frankly, people don't have a clear understanding of what marketing ops is alone, right? So that, that's why marketingops.com and this community exists today is that we are constantly trying to put guardrails in place on the fact that it isn't actually a demand general mm. um, or it isn't the other things that it often gets lumped into. And so I think it really starts there, right? Like if RevOps, categorically speaking, I believe the, the majority of us out there would agree it is an umbrella term for what I would deem like the core sort of three function functional areas of operations. So client success, uh, sales, and marketing. And for those that are maturing fast enough to say, well, we'd like to put this under this idea of revenue operations, and we want to look at it from the perspective of the basically the customer's journey and how we 
build that relationship through and through and make sure that the touch points with that customer and our brand are well received across the organization from sales to marketing and client success all the way around. Um, then that's great that they're thinking about those things. And, and I can tell you that it, it will go a long way if you've got those organizations aligned, even if it's just a dotted line, right? Um, my, my short story on this one is really, really large customer was going to um, add all of its users into the software company I was at. And I happened to be sitting in the client success organization at the time in my function. And <laughs> I went over to the, to the gentleman who had uh, taken over my former marketing ops role. And I said, Hey, by the way, I just heard that this client is going to add their 10,000 people into the product um, starting tomorrow. So uh, your HubSpot portal is about to get blown up <laughs> with like 10,000 people. <laughs> uh, and like that, that, if that doesn't illustrate the importance, right? Like if the data is, if, if your infrastructure is set up that your app is pushing records into your other tools, your CRM or your HubSpot or your Marketo or whatever, right? And that person who owns that tool doesn't know that that's about to happen. Well, folks, most of our subscription revenue comes from those organizations, comes from the contact tiers that you're paying for, mm -hmm. right? And then a whole slew of other things, right? Deliverability, all the, all the things that come with it from there. And uh, if that person's not in an organizational infrastructure that knows that information, um, that's, that could be a, a wildfire really fast. Yeah. Right. What would you suggest you could offer to get more into that, uh, that planning discussion as opposed to finding out after the fact and it's like, oh, hey, hey, Mike, just go do this. Make it happen. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think every organization has an opportunity for that. Um, where I started this conversation earlier around the idea that you, in marketing ops specifically, you um, certainly have, because, you know, frankly, I haven't been in a proper sales ops or function rather, or a CS ops function for that matter. But I do know for matter of fact, like in a marketing operations function, you often get to see a lot of what's going on across the entire business because most of the time they're asking about some level of attribution and what's working. And so you, you see a lot. Um, that's a really great opportunity for you to come up with your own hypothesis of like, hey, I believe that this particular segment performs really well or I think we're um, missing out on an opportunity to enter a different segment and you could go query and poke around and you have all the tools at your fingertips to start asking those kinds of questions, answer them for yourself and then raise it up to your manager or whoever it is that you want to sort of interact with and say, Hey, look at, I, I did this. I thought this was maybe a thing. What do you think? And that'll be your first sort of stepping stone into having a conversation about, um, you know, I would really love to understand what we're trying to do next. What market are we trying to enter next? Or, you know, what are the challenges that the business is faced with today that um, our platform that we, you know, our tech stack that we have today might actually be able to help with, right? You're struggling to get meetings on the books. Like, let's go look at how to streamline that invite flow, right? If you're struggling to 
uh, enter a new market because of compliance issues. Let's make sure we have all the infrastructure in place to do the opt-ins and all of those things, right? And then be an advocate for your customer, right? For me, I'm always trying to like help out the folks who uh, are, are on my team because a successful team, hopefully your manager is like this, where a successful a successful team means that you're being a good manager. And I would want that person to come to me first and I say, okay, here's how we need to position it. That's great. We're going to have this meeting. I'll frame you up like this. And then, you know, I'll give you the wink, wink and pitch the idea, right? right. Like hopefully that's the environment you're in. Uh, but yeah, the political thing is, is sometimes uh, a tightrope walk. Yeah, it really is. I've worked for some really incredible managers that absolutely um, have done that kind of handholding, right? Like, yeah. here, let me help you massage this a little bit because I know how it's going to be heard or received or thought of, et cetera. And then it's yours. Run with it. Um, I really like, Scott, the idea that um, you could bring this up in a larger group setting, which can be a little nerve wracking. Like, I frankly, I really don't like speaking in front of small groups or large groups. <laughs> um, it just really like freaks me out. <laughs> great, great career um, choice on managing a 3,600 person community then there. I'm just Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my, my quote unquote secret co-founder makes fun of me all the time because we're going to host this big conference this year, Mopsapalooza. And, um, you know, hopefully there's like 500 people there. Right. And he's like, you know, you're going to have to go out on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll probably collapse. Um, but I do like the idea of bringing that up there. And and I think, you know, just to take that a layer back is if you don't already have a place for that, sometimes those meetings aren't architected to allow for idea sharing. Mm. So it's actually okay for you to just like sit on your idea for a little while longer and then come to that next group meeting and say, hey, you know, I think it'd be really fun if we had a, a moment every once a week, once a month, once a quarter to just like hear from the rest of the group. And like, let everybody share their ideas yeah. and then you'll be, you'll be ready for that next meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. compose it as a schedule change to the group meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Asking what you did on vacation because you can't wait to tell people you went to Europe. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> awesome. How would you suggest marketing ops and sales ops collaborate, cooperate, work together? Is it a redundant job? That type of a thing. Hmm. Definitely not a redundant job. Uh, I would say, I would say if you're not already regularly working with your sales ops uh, counterpart, then you should get a regularly scheduled meeting on the calendar, like minimum once every two weeks, um, just to, even if it's like a 15 minute check-in, like on the second meeting every two weeks or whatever, like that can go a long way. Like, what are you hearing? What's going on? Yeah. Um, one of the things I advocate for on the marketing ops side of things is um, the idea of like building out your playbook. Um, and the only way you can build out your, your sort of marketing ops playbook or your rev ops playbook um, is by interacting with those other individuals. Really good example of this, Scott, is like a director of demand gen and I sat down and um, you know, the, the SVP of marketing is trying to understand, hey, is our pipeline, you know, how should we sort of split out the attribution models on this stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, there's probably rules at play here, right? If a lead had come in, let's call it six months ago and didn't end up converting to a deal for another, you know, whatever, 90 days beyond that, um, 
then at what point do we sort of forego the, the first touch point in favor of the last touch point or what have you and establishing those kinds of rules and alignment really at the end of the day, they're not like rules to like take credit or anything like that. By the way, that's one of the things that people get pissed off about is the word credit. I've also found uh, you were talking about attribution now a couple times. One thing that I've always found is that when you have those meetings with your sales uh, ops counterpart, make sure that you're aligned in the weeds too, if you will. So mm-hmm. on that note of like influencing versus not influencing, are you seeing a trend towards some type of a common model where uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot of what's the right model, but a model where you can at least get sales on your side? There, there absolutely is a, a way to have those two groups aligned. I was just, I was just on a, a call with another company this week, they were sort of showing off their their product around sort of attribution and revenue and funnels and all these things, right? And um, you know, I, I made a point to call out that at the end of the day, you're being asked for different stories that you have to tell. Marketers, depending on the need of the business, so think you know, startup versus an enterprise right? The way in which you're going to want to look at your reporting for the story that you want to tell um, is is really important. So imagine in a startup, you need to go raise another round of funding. And the the narrative that you're building is that we've got, you know, product market fit and, um, you know, the signups are really climbing and here's the evidence of all of that kind of stuff. And it has like largely nothing to do with revenue. Right. Because at this stage, we're like, we're not talking about the revenue piece and the revenue growth or the time to close a deal or whatever. Uh, We're just talking about this product market fit, this growth, this acceleration that's happening. And so we want to keep capitalizing on the market. Flip that. And the one number that we're all trying to work towards these days is revenue. Right. NRR is like a huge focus. This, you know, this this go around with what we're going through in the macroeconomic environment. And so, you know, this, this idea of net revenue retention gets you back into RevOps. Everybody can align on revenue and you start getting into this, like, well, is it, you know, who brought it in, who closed the deal or whatever? Look, it is one team, one dream. You do need to understand at the, like, in the weeds level, to your point, like, what filters are you using? And that's why I was saying in this playbook, like, you, you should literally get to the point where you're saying, when we say marketing qualified lead, we mean these things happened. Yeah. And when that gets sent to sales, that means that it's established as a lead. Getting into the the really fine details and and really specific like edge cases in certain points where you're saying, hey, if a record converted 180 days ago for the very first time, we're not going to give credit, quote unquote, to the very first touch point, we're going to go ahead and agree that whatever brought it in the next time, that's the thing that like gets the heaviest weight in for, from an attribution perspective. When you look at the whole deal cycle, you can track all of those campaigns. Then don't look at it from the campaign perspective. And this is, I feel like, going to help you align with sales is it's not this campaign was successful. It's, hey, when we closed the biggest deals or the fastest deals, these campaigns are the ones involved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that That's a better, would you agree that that's a better discussion to have as opposed to this campaign was successful or not? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a much better discussion to have. Um, it does require 
that you begin with the end in mind, mm -hmm. right? Um, or Simon Sinek is the start with why kind of stuff, yeah. right? So beginning with the end in mind of how do you want to measure the success of your organization, you then work backwards to, to go back to, okay, well, foundationally, we want to be able to say that a certain number of campaigns could be helping to move deals along with the velocity and stuff like that. And if you're not thinking about those types of questions or that line of thinking or that desire for how you want to tell the story or how you want to build the narrative around your organization, uh, and you don't think about the end, then you'll quickly find yourself, you know, in any organization running a campaign, checking the open rates and the click-through rates and all these little microcosm activities and never really thinking about, well, how do we, how do we paint a picture that tells a story that shows success? Because uh, it's easy to have both a success and a failure all at the same time, yeah. right? So imagine for a second that you want to do a webinar um, and your goal is to get a certain number of registrants, uh, but you're also, your, your goals on the email marketing team are to hit certain number of open rates and, and click rates, right? Well, that email might perform really well from an open and a click perspective, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to register for that webinar. And so you failed on the webinar side, but on the email side, you totally succeeded. And it's like, well, the thing that we actually cared about was getting people in the door. So was the content off? Did yeah. the page break? We don't know, right? We, we, you know, And so like, it's easy to get into the minutia of, but look, like our emails are doing great. You know, like think about the end result start with the end in mind and try to measure things like collectively. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to secure your role and your budget, insert all the campaigns that you want to work on into the late stage opportunities and just feed that campaign, those deals that are going to close anyway. And then you can increase yeah. your budget for that for next year. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, sales ops team, like which deals do you think are like most likely to close in the next like 90 days? Great. I'm going to just, I'm going to fire off. Like, can you send this actually? Could you sales loft this out to someone? Could you whatever sequence them? Yeah. Yeah. Get them to sign up for the next thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Look, we did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 On, uh, you mentioned when you were talking about the end in mind, um, the velocity component, I'm still shocked at how like poorly and or differently velocity is tracked, uh, or just lack of it. Uh, is that something that can be more structured or more easily done? Why is it not done? Or are you seeing it being done? And maybe I've just been in organizations that they haven't done it yet. <laughs> could be too i don't know <laughs> maybe i'm the outcast uh, yeah no i don't think you are um so look like for all of the all of the dinosaurs that love no i'm just kidding um everybody that loves to use some of the tried and true great you know products that are out in market the infrastructure wasn't built originally around this and so like i'll, I'll, I'll call it like it is salesforce out of the box isn't going to try to tell you your throughput on your velocity, right? It's just not going to. Um, you can build it to do so. And there's lots of ways to do that that are very, very tailored to your very unique business because mm -hmm. that's what Salesforce is good at, right? Yeah. All of the vanity metrics stuff, I think, is actually really, really important to pay attention mm -hmm. to. It is really, really important signals. Um, 
but it's crazy to me that somehow that movement between your pipeline is like not the thing that anybody looks at. So, so the number one metric in the state of the MoPro research that we run annually, okay, like two years running, it's, um, it's demand gen, basically. The number one KPI is essentially like demand gen. It's like, it's like funnels, basically, like lead gen type of stuff. Look, a marketing operations person can really improve the, the velocity that you move things through because you've got the infrastructure in place to enrich the deal, to trigger the right notification, to, you know, whatever it is that needs to make that, that speed to lead factor, you know, decrease, right? That's huge. We know if we can contact that, we've known it for 20 years, folks. Like yeah. if we can get somebody on the phone inside of that short window of time, the conversion rate goes way up, right? To a customer. Yep. So anyway, yeah, I, you're not alone. I don't think anybody measures it enough and yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and what you were suggesting too, it sounded like is to measure the time between and conversion rate you mentioned in between each marketing stage measuring the 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 full funnel conversion flow so between stages like an mql to sql to opportunity what is the conversion rate between each of those stages and then doing things like skip level measurements so how many of my mqls ever become um opportunities but maybe they never really hit this in interim state right this like sql state uh, or this yeah. like SAL state, if you use that or whatever, um, or like skip level on like the lead side of things down into opportunities, because there's all kinds of reasons why it'll just sort of jump straight over for whatever reason. Um, so measuring that sort of throughput between those stages and skip level stages is like super, super important. And you should know that you can go create all these like timestamp variables in like a Salesforce, for example, so you can date stamp when those stages were hit, depending on what product you're using, you either have to create those manually or mm. in HubSpot, some, some, sometimes they exist, otherwise that you have to add more. Uh, and when you use those date stamps, the, the whole point is to like understand the time in a very particular segment so that you can then make a, you know, you think about like trying to get a strategic conversation going, Scott, like we were just saying. In, in that world where you have the qualified lead to opportunity, it's like 50-50 on where that process lives. Does it live with the SDR and the AE team? Or is that process managed by the marketing team? Maybe it's split. Maybe some advice on how you can help co-own that or at least improve it without stepping on toes. The way that I've done this is with, uh, again, I'm going to go back to that playbook type of stuff. Um, it became sort of our guidepost. And we would uh, we would align on if you want to make a change to this process, you actually have to uh, have like a couple sign offs on it. I literally would have meetings where we would document that on this day, on this time, we agreed that this would be the change. Mm -hmm. This document is now up to date with the current process. And it's again, it's manual, right? But it prevents breakage. Yeah. Like someone decides to just randomly throw in a new status and there's no know, finger pointing. Suddenly, it's like <laughs> you brought it to the table the right way. Yeah. Awesome. That's a much People better answer that. than your SOL. <laughs> <The screen laughs> <of the world. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, 
that's the thing with all of this technology. I think you and I talked about this when we were hanging out last or what have you, but um, you know, we were all hawked a bunch of products like over the last 10, 15 years. Right. And the sales folks were selling us magic. <laughs> and, uh, and the reality is, is that like, I just got done explaining, you know, and you, you and I have got done talking about how important it is to like, have a process in place to go have a conversation yeah. with another person that owns the tool, right? That owns the process. Um, none of it can be done without people. Awesome. And so, you know, yeah, you got to have the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, great. Well, we talked about a lot of really key points here. So I'm going to try and see if I can summarize it. Definitely use your data to back up ideas and to find ideas and coordinate and validate that with your sales counterpart, or if you're in sales ops, your marketing ops counterpart. And uh, you can elevate your position by uh, bringing those to light in the right way. Um, add better tracking and improve tracking. Like how great would it be to go to a, a sales ops person and say, hey, I figured out a way to track the velocity between each stage and here's what it looks like and you know marketing leads are the same way and uh did i miss anything in there um no just alignment like documentation is is key uh, i think that was sort of an underlying thread that kept everything pulled together so yeah. wherever your documentation lives just make sure it exists and yeah and <laughs> utilize that to meetings. align yeah yeah awesome well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Mike. That was a really valuable discussion. That was really awesome, the, the insights that you brought. So please check out uh, marketingops.com to get more of the ops-focused content. All right, bonus segment, because we have breaking news from Mike post the recording of our original interview. And that news is that uh, Mike is going to be stepping adjacent to marketing ops. They'll still... Uh, very much a part of it, but making himself available to be able to help with your marketing ops, with your marketing ops strategy, and even with, because the marketing ops community is, has grown to be so strong and successful and, and, and nurturing in and of itself, that uh, he can also help with building this community for your next community idea. So uh, Mike, maybe I'll let you give a better plug than what I just did. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Scott. No, um... Yeah, in a nutshell, uh, I have a knack for building uh, MarTech marketing operations go-to-market frameworks, um, typically across B2B SaaS organizations, but certainly having experienced uh, a bit of the services side as well. So if you need a bit of help uh, in and around the space of sort of maybe marketing operations, revenue operations, and maybe yours tech stack, in, tech stack includes HubSpot. That would be something that I certainly could jump in on. Also, if you're thinking about building a community, a customer advisory board or an industry advisory board, I've done that a few times over. I've done it now for a community of practice, which is marketingops.com. And I've done it for a couple of B2B SaaS organizations as well. So I can guide you along some of the learnings, gotchas and uh, bring some of that technical acumen around the tech stack itself. So for example, there's a lot to be learned about implementing a Salesforce marketing cloud and Salesforce community cloud product. And so I'd be happy to sort of fast track you on some of the learning that I had. 
in my career as well. But yeah, uh, yeah, can that's interesting. Uh, I've had very strong Salesforce admins in my past, though they've often been very bogged down with the sales side of things. And I can't get them to do the marketing stuff I need them to do because it's not that hard, but yeah. I can't get them to do it. Or maybe they just haven't done that side of it before and they are confused. But the Salesforce community piece, interesting you brought that up uh, because I tried to implement that, I don't know, maybe 2017, 2018 timeframe. And I just literally could not get the thing to work. So the fact that you have actually successfully done something there is kind of exciting as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was advising an organization recently that was just picking my brain. Um, it, it was prior prior to me going out to say, hey, I can do this uh, stuff now um, as a freelancer, a fractional role. And I said, hey, yeah, like if you could, <laughs> if you're going to implement this thing, there's a few things you need to know. And so uh, whether we did that successfully uh, is, is probably TBD, but we did launch the community and people did leverage it um, and hooked it into a knowledge base and all that stuff. But there's a lot to be learned around that ecosystem of the Salesforce community cloud knowledge infrastructure. Um, but there's a lot of other community tech out there too. No, um, you know, no shade cast on, on Salesforce. Uh, it just really depends on where's your tech stack, where are you invested? What are your goals? Uh, what type of community do you want to build? Look at the spaces model, happy to guide you through that. Uh, but there's a lot that you sort of have to navigate. And like I said, um, I went deep. I've been in it for a while and I'm happy to help. Yeah, just navigating the options in general, because there are so many, uh, maybe just guidance on which one to go for would be a good starting point. So yeah, totally. if I'm excited about having the founder of Marketing Ops uh, be the person driving my ops strategy, uh, where would I feel comfortable saying you're the right one? What tech stack do you uh, have lots of experience with you could help out? Just list them out for us. Yeah, it's definitely the whole HubSpot ecosystem. So in anything in there and then a HubSpot to Salesforce integration, I'm quite strong with. Uh, and then as you sort of branch out beyond that, um, you could start looking at the other sort of uh, outreach tools. So I've got experience with like SalesLoft. I've got experience with some of those other types of uh, outreach tools. Um, but I think honestly, if you're in the HubSpot Salesforce ecosystem, that would be very easy for me to pick up. I've run those integrations. I've written the marketing operations playbook on how to manage those. I've even done custom API integrations from a SaaS product to HubSpot to try to do things around sort of like onboarding and nurturing for your customers, um, letting HubSpot ah. sort of act as that tool. Uh, inflection. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So all those kinds of things. Cool. Well, uh, I'll say thank you for being a guest on the podcast again. And also thank you for making yourself available for helping all of us out there. Thank you for having me back, Scott. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Making Fun of Marketing. Again, uh, hopefully this was a bright spot in your day because it's not always fun, uh, especially if you're stuck in storage room B in ops and <laughs> you, you ended up getting a seat at the table and called yourself RevOps. More podcasts, episodes can be found at chronologic.com forward slash podcast. Give us a review, subscribe, do that whole thing and uh, have a great day. Thank you for joining us, Mike. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully this was a bright spot in your day. You can go ahead and listen to more episodes at chronologic.com forward slash podcast. 
and give us a five-star review and subscribe if you just want to hear more and get a bet yeah thank you have a great day everyone